This is a 980 CKNW podcast. The battle's catastrophic flooding that sent around 4,000 people from their homes. One of the worst hit communities got a visit from the public safety minister on Sunday. Global News reporter Paul Hasem with the latest. Public safety minister Mike Farnworth got a first-hand look at the devastation in Grand Forks today. And while the waters have gone down, they're getting ready for round two. The minister taking a tour of some of the 1,600 homes that remain evacuated in the Kootenai Boundary region, which equals to more than 3,100 people. Farnworth promising support for everyone affected in both the short and long term. Also saying the premier has spoken to the prime minister and they will be ready with more funding and support if needed. And with temperatures in the 30s for the next several days, those fears and waters will only rise. Paul Hasem in Grand Forks. New Democrat MP Christine Moore says she intends to sue a former soldier who's accused her of sexual misconduct for defamation, as well as three journalists who reported the story. Moore remains suspended from caucus pending an investigation into accusations made by retired Corporal Glenn Kirkland. She says the accusations are a total lie aimed at attacking her credibility after she raised concerns about the behavior of other MPs. Moore says she had had a four-month romantic relationship with Kirkland in 2013. She's produced photos and a plane ticket showing that he planned to visit her in Quebec. Kirkland claims to have been vulnerable and alleges Moore abused her position of authority as a member of parliament. Searchers have been combing riverbanks along the North Saskatchewan River looking for a missing four-year-old boy. Sweetgrass Kennedy was wearing a light blue Star Wars hoodie and orange Halloween pajama pants when he disappeared on Thursday. Police are focusing on the river based on numerous witness interviews as well as evidence located, but they're not saying what that evidence is. The boy's aunt says the child's mother is in shock and the family's asking for prayers that he returns home safely. To international news, investigators are following the trail of a 20-year-old Frenchman born in Chechnya who rampaged through a festive Paris neighborhood Saturday night, slashing passersby with a knife. More details are emerging on the suspected Paris knife attacker. Khamzat Azimov was originally from Chechnya, the Russian province long troubled by violent radicalism. The 20-year-old became a French citizen in 2010. His parents and a friend are being questioned by police. In a home video, Azimov can be seen pledging his allegiance to the Islamic State. The group has already claimed responsibility for the attack. James Longman, ABC News, Paris. And singing with your favorite star is something most people can only dream about. But for one BC girl, that dream became a reality. Here's Global News reporter Estefania Duran. 12-year-old Victoria Anthony had one mission, to sing with Pink during her Vancouver concert. She began a campaign hoping to make her dream come true. And then this happened. Are you the singer? Yes. Do you want to come sing something? Anthony says she still can't believe it. I'm feeling incredible. I, it's just, I'm still kind of in shock. She says this proves anything is possible when you put your mind into something. Estefania Duran, Global News. Over to sports now in the NHL playoffs. The Washington Capitals won 6-2 against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday night. Washington is now leading the Eastern Conference Final Series two games to zero. And over in the MLB, the Boston Red Sox beat out the Toronto Blue Jays, a final score there of 5-3. From the Global News Desk, I'm Bailey Nicholson.
Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother, author unknown. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. It's been said your health is your wealth, and the benefits of great health cannot be overstated. Great health leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and even sexual health, uncovering What lies beneath the covers? I have a passion for up-to-date and accurate health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. Please do, however, put the kitties to bed as listener discretion is advised. Put them to bed early anyway. It's Mother's Day for crying out loud. But remember, we are going beneath the sheets. On this program, my aim is to provide you with up-to-date, evidence-based information so that you know there are options for treatment for whatever ails you, for whatever medical conditions you may have or what symptoms you are experiencing. So please do consult with your medical doctor with regard to anything you might hear on the show tonight. Good evening, Andrew. How are you? I'm okay. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Did you happen to see Amy Schumer on um, Saturday Night Live last night? I, I didn't know. Was it? I mean, <laughs> I love her, but it was the best. And she did a little thing on mm-hmm. on childbirth. And you know, um, if you check it out on YouTube, it's fantastic. You know, it was like the little the five year old coming in with the breakfast that he'd made, and you know, and she said it was the it was the happiest day of my life, the day you were born. And then it it flashes back to the reality of the ah. labor and delivery room. <laughs> and um, if you've had a baby. Baby, you know what that's like. My doctor said if I ever had another baby, he would leave town. That was the truth. She weighed 12 pounds, that one. <laughs> 12 pounds? My yes. goodness. Yes. And then later, when he came to do rounds on me, he said, Maureen, I saw your baby. She was walking down the hallway with a hamburger in her hands. <laughs> <laughs> But there's always somebody who, you know, can deliver a 13-pounder and do it better <laughs> and have no pain. And, of course, I remember meeting her in the, the kitchen where I barely struggled to get down there, uh, you know, a few days later. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, I'm fine. I had a 13-pounder. And I'm like, I was like, well, I've had a 12-pound baby. And she's like, oh, no biggie. I had a 13-pounder. You know, like walking really, you know, one of those mothers that doesn't make other mothers feel that great no matter what i said her situation was worse and she looked a whole lot better (laughs) and you just go what kind of power do you have exactly (laughs) but i have a couple of uh, you know you feel like a superpower after you've uh, vaginally delivered 12 (laughs) i would imagine (laughs) baby but anyway (laughs) um i'd had some practice That sounded uh, terrible, but anyway. It's Mother's Day. We're, you're pulling <laughs> out is. all the stops and here. And being a mother is not easy. It I, isn't. I, and hopefully if we have some time. I have a couple of um, stories in my life. Well, I might as well start now because I might forget, actually. <laughs> but um, one, you know, and then, you know, the, the ba- they're babies and it's fabulous. And, you know, you love them and they're just so easy and it's wonderful. And then they become teenagers. <laughs> oh, sorry, mother, again, for like that entire stretch of time between yeah. when I was born and, brutal. From not, like, and right now. Sorry. It's really like but, 11. You know, it starts at like 11. Anyway. Thank and so, you. <laughs> but if you can handle teenage boys, you can handle anything in life, I am convinced. So a friend of mine, a colleague of mine who happened to be a single mom, she said to me, you wouldn't believe um, what my son has done. And I said, try me, you know, go ahead. I didn't want her to feel so badly. And she said, well, I looked out my kitchen window and there were charred stripes of, on the grass. And I said, let me guess, your son was playing fireball croquet. And she said, how did you know? And I said, because my boys have been playing fireball tennis for a while now. <laughs> anyway, I wish I'd known about that when I was a kid. No, I was boring. No kidding. 
<laughs> you didn't want to know about it. And, you know, the thing was, this woman felt she was so happy. She was so ashamed. I, I knew that shame. I understood it uh, when when mine were playing fireball tennis. And actually... They were playing doubles. But when I, when my kids would go off and say, you know, we're playing tennis, I thought it was the best thing. Oh, fantastic. It's such a great sport. You can't get into trouble doing that. Anyway, little did I know. That's, that's one of the stories. Anyway, I've got another one for you. I'll save that for you later on in the time. But it's important that mothers support other mothers because it's not easy. It's not an easy job. And so when we judge other mothers or judge their kids or whatever, you know, it's just not cool. We're all just trying to struggle through it one day at a time, moment by moment. Uh, so I'm going to have some Mother's Day facts for you. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mother's Day was created by a woman, uh, Anna Jansen, I believe her name is from Virginia. And she, she was not a mother, but she did it to honor her own mother. But look, Mother's Day has become so commercialized, right? Um, have you been Monica Lewinsky? We're going to talk about that on the program. I have, I was, the only thing I can think of as, I've been Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> but um, I was asked to be a bridesmaid once, and then then they canceled the whole thing. I was uninvited to be a bridesmaid. Anyway, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Monica Lewinsky and her uninvite from Town & Country magazine. You can imagine all of them in their espadrilles and their Lily Pulitzer dresses and their pearls, clutching their pearls with their cardigans on, just freaking out when they had to uninvite and come to the decision to uninvite Monica Lewinsky to a social change luncheon because guess what? Bill Clinton was there. Big deal. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Also, you know, it's so busy these days, especially if you're a mom and you're working inside and outside of the house and your kids are playing fireball tennis. (laughs) That just throws a whole new... Uh, kink in things, if you will. Um, but anyway, I have Renee Rechschapner of Inward Meditation coming on. She is going to just bring us through the basics of mindfulness for multitasking moms. We're going to talk to her a little bit later on in the program. And, you know, uh, in all of our towns, uh, Edmonton, where this program is live, and Calgary, and and Winnipeg and Vancouver, you know, the weather's getting better. It is bathing suit season, and that is frightening, number one. But number two, uh, it's a day of reckoning, too, when you put that bathing suit on. I actually got a couple of new bathing suits. I, I'm very happy with them. But uh, I digress. With summer upon us, it is time to bring out the sunscreen. And, you know, my little OCD kicks in every now and again. And recently I found myself lining up my sunscreen according to SPF. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. Um, tomorrow is World Melanoma Day, and Dr. Sunil Kalia joins me uh, shortly, in fact, at uh, around 8.30, as the world marks World Mel- Melatonin, Mel- not Melatonin, I just need some melatonin to sleep, Melanoma Day, Dr. Sunil Kalia will join me to educate us about the causes and the early warning signs of this form of cancer. The, the rates of melanoma are increasing in Canada. So also going to be talking a little bit about marriage. With a royal wedding looming, can you believe that marriage is on the outs? Why is that? Is a happy marriage even possible? What are some of the reasons that you become disappointed? Don't answer that, I know. Uh, (laughs) One of the main reasons, and in fact, I, I hope you put the kids to bed, but I spoke to a patient this week and, you know, he's been unhappy in his marriage for 
30 years. One particular aspect of his marriage, which I can't mention just yet because it's a little bit too early in the program, but I will be. And the way he described it, and it's just like, why Why have you stayed is, is one question. But there's many, many questions in, in something like that. And I'll give you some more details as we carry on. One of my favorite subjects, intellectual humility. I remember few years ago, a friend of mine had a baby and I brought her um, a silver box for her to cut a a lock of her child's hair and to put it in and and to save it. And she was an MBA, brilliant woman. She had her own consulting firm and, and she didn't know about that particular tradition. And she said, I know nothing about this. Tell me all about it. And I love that about her. And, you know, sometimes you can work with people or you can be in a relationship with people and they are know-it-alls, even if they don't know it. (laughs) And they can never say they don't know something. And, you know, believe me, this is hard because I'm in clinical practice. I have people who come to see me and, you know, there's always this mild fear that what if they ask me something that I don't know? And, and, you know, I, I have to say there's been the odd time, you know, the sex thing, I got that covered. Anyway, I know more than anybody, but no. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But, you know, there could even be a question about that. But you think, well, what if if there is something? But, you know, there have been times when I've had to say, I don't know that answer. I will speak to the the physician that I work with. I will get that answer for you. Um, So we don't know it all. And so is intellectual humility affecting your personal or professional life? Because it can do both. And, you know, I spoke a little bit about this because um, I'm in clinical practice and, you know, we are solving problems for patients or, or giving them advice or leading them or guiding them or helping them to navigate the healthcare system or whatever. But the pressure on doctors today is mounting, especially with the Internet, especially with all of these other fake doctors out there. Never mind fake news. There's all these, all these fake medical practitioners uh, that didn't go to medical school. like, And they claim that they are... Um, you know, they they put doctor in front of their name when they shouldn't. So there's so much pressure. And the rates of death by suicide of doctors is astounding. And I have some sobering statistics for you about that. And I also want to talk a little bit about sexual aversion disorder. Uh, That's, uh, I had a patient this week. It's not the most common of the sexual dysfunctions and disorders, but it is significant. And when it happens, it can really negatively impact a person's life. And of course, we have the opioid crisis in this country and in North America. And um, we we understand, you know, it's it can be tragic, people are dying on un- un- needlessly. Um, and it's a heartbreak for families. But something we don't often think about is something called neonatal abstinence syndrome. And that's when the babies need to withdraw from narcotics as well. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, But when I come back, we're going to review a little bit about uh, Mother's Day. And, and, you know, um, really, it's a day where so many flowers are purchased. I think 25% of all the flower sales in the world are purchased on Mother's Day. But you know what? Life is not easy for a lot of mothers around the world. And I want to talk to you about that when I come back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me on this wonderful Mother's Day. Uh, If you want to give me a call, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. Or you can always email me, nursetalk 
at Hotmail.com. That's Nurse Talk, N-U-R-S-E-T-A-L-K, at Hotmail.com. So I wanted to give you a little bit of the history about Mother's Day. Uh, it is not just a hallmark holiday. In fact, the origins of Mother's Day were in the United States, and that dates back to 1868. And it was Anne Reeves Jarvis of West Virginia who organized Mother's Friendship Day, and that was to promote reconciliation between Union and Confederate soldiers after the Civil War. Uh, Then it was called Mother's Peace Day. Uh, That started in 1870, and there was a Mother's Day proclamation that was um, written, and it was called for mothers to unite in promoting world peace. And later, that uh, woman who started that, who was a suffragette, Julia Ward Howe, actually campaigned for Mother's Peace Day to be celebrated every year on June 2nd. Mothers love peace, let me tell you. Um, Anne Jarvis wasn't a mother, and she is widely credited with having founded, having founded Mother's Day as a United States holiday, but it's also celebrated around the world. She never married, she never had children, but first organized this Mother's Day observance in May of 1908 in memory of her mother's death two years prior. And she later campaigned for the second Sunday in May to be designated a national celebration of mothers, So, which we've been celebrating ever since. Um, but there have been, there are also some, there's some history that is, can be traced back to the ancient Greeks and Romans, but this is the closest modern, um, modern day or precedent setting uh, for Mother's Day. It has become incredibly commercialized, and the founder, Anna Jarvis, spoke, spoke out against that aspect, and she did end up fighting to abolish Mother's Day altogether. She felt it became burdensome, wasteful, an expensive gift day. It, it, a lot of people have likened it to the commercialization that is associated with Christmas. She died um, penniless. Her mental health was in question, and... Um, but nonetheless, we still celebrate moms around the world today. Uh, in, in India, they have a, the Hindus actually have uh, long celebrated a 10-day festival in October that honors their divine mother, Durga. And in France, um, they, is, uh, they actually commended women when they first started doing Mother's Day for repopulating France. And mothers of four or more children were awarded a medal. And gold medals went to mothers of eight or more. And silver medals went to mothers who delivered 12-pound babies. (laughs) All right, that part wasn't true. Um, But in Ethiopia, it's tied to the end of the rainy season. And um, it's a three-day celebration that occurs at the end of that rainy season. And the family celebrates by preparing preparing a traditional meal after which mothers and daughters anoint themselves with butter and dance while the men sing songs that honor the family. And in some countries, mothers provide children with treats. Um, and, and in fact, uh, that's done in uh, the former Yugoslavia. 
And, um, <clears throat> well, actually, what's done in, for- in Yugoslavia is the mums sneak into their parents' bedroom the morning of Mother's Day and tie mom up. Don't get any ideas. Uh, and that, so the only way to free herself is for the mother to present her children with gifts. So we celebrate it differently and, and on different days, but the sentiment is the same. But, you know, sometimes I have to wonder, why is it that we celebrate moms on this one day of a year, but we have so many troubles around the globe uh, with respect to women, and many women are mothers. And so somehow, sometimes, this admiration feels disingenuous to me. If we truly love moms, why don't we do better by women? A 2013 UNESCO survey reported 31 million girls were not in school around the world. One of those reasons is a lack of feminine hygiene products for menstrual periods. This is a valuable lesson. In some parts of the world, although women or moms do 66% of the work, they earn 10% of the worldwide income. Female genital mutilation is a barbaric cultural and religious act that leads to sexual oppression and inequality, and moms die as a result. Hey, everybody, we need to keep our lady bits for sexual pleasure. Just saying. It gets worse. The unmet need for family planning equates to 76 million unplanned pregnancies and 36 million abortions, according to the organization, an advocacy group called Women Deliver. When men dictate women's reproductive rights, moms die as a result. Intimate partner violence is on the rise and it is a serious public health issue affecting millions of moms. Moms die as a result. Not only do we harm, deprive, and violate the moms we so love, moms die as a result quite often. So is it appropriate to say Happy Mother's Day to the flower shops around the world? We need to do better for our girls and women in this world. We need to deal with issues that we have. We need need to deal with substance use and abuse, anger issues, violence against women, workplace uh, gender based violence and uh, workplace violence as well. We, we, I know we can do better. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. This is Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I'm a registered nurse and a sexual health educator, and I wanted to let you know of a... Um, email that I just got because we are celebrating moms tonight. And I just thought this was lovely and amazing. And it beats my 12 pound (laughs) story. Hello, Maureen. Thank you for celebrating moms. My mom passed away 18 years ago. She will always be remembered for the selfless way she looked after and loved her 14 children. That's right, Maureen, 10 boys and four girls. Our mom was incredible for her ability to know exactly when one of her children needed a little smile, a loving motherly hug, or just listen to what might be bothering one of her children. Somehow, someway, our mom in a crowded room make, made us feel special and loved. Love and miss you, Mom. Ed. Thanks so much, Ed, for that lovely note. Uh, honoring moms. And one thing moms do a lot of is they put sunscreen on their children, even when the children don't want to have it on and they run away. And um, so that's a, a, just another important task. Tomorrow is World Melanoma Day. 
And the Canadian Dermatology Association urges Canadians to learn about the causes and the early warning signs of this form of skin cancer, which is on the rise. You wouldn't think that in Canada we would have melanoma, but we certainly do. And even in Canada, sun-safe behaviors are very important for prevent prevention and early detection is critical for prevention. And Dr. Sunil Kalia is on the line and he is going to join me on the program to educate us about uh, melanoma, skin cancers, and what you can do to prevent skin cancers and the treatment and everything there is to know about it. This is a very important subject. Good evening, Dr. Kalia. Good evening. Thank you, Maureen, for having me on on today. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and educating the listeners about this very important issue where it's it's getting sunnier, the temperature's getting warmer, we're hitting the beach, we're exposed to sun, uh, we're getting the in the convertibles and putting the top down. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow is World Melanoma Day. And uh, it, that's a very tough uh, and significant cancer. But uh, yes. what, yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, why the Canadian Dermatology Association wants to raise awareness. It's interesting, like melanoma along with uh, skin, all forms of skin cancer is the most common type of cancer, even in Canada. And as you were alluding to that, though we have long winters here, we still get a lot of UV exposure throughout the year with people traveling down south and also during the spring and summer and fall months here as well. And with melanoma, it's really those sunburns that really are a high risk of developing melanoma later on in one's lifetime. So that's why these, uh, the World Melanoma Day is scheduled usually around this time of the year, the second Monday of May. Just remind people of the importance of sun protection and avoiding excessive UV exposure. And melanoma is the deadliest form of skin cancer, but it is highly treatable when discovered early. Is that correct? Right, exactly. So with with the prevention aspect of uh, melanoma, there's two aspects. One is, is avoiding UV exposure. And the things that we really try to encourage individuals to do is avoiding UV exposure when it's high, so sun exposure when it's high. And when and is it high? Usually around the hours of 10 to 3, depending on what the UV index level is. Mm-hmm. So that is quite important. And then if one has to go outside wearing protective clothing, so wearing a good hat, like a wide-brimmed hat that protects the nose and the ears and protects the face, and then wearing protective clothing, and then seeking shade if you can when you're outside. Then sometimes all those steps are not possible, so then that's why we, why we encourage people to wear sunscreen or those areas that you can't cover, then you wear sunscreen in those areas. So that's the whole prevention aspect and the biggest link of causing melanoma, other types of skin cancer, is that sun exposure, the UV exposure that people tend to get, the ultraviolet radiation exposure. But then also early detection is important for melanoma. And and so that's why if you have one of those suspicious melanoma lesions, suspicious moles that you might think that might be worrisome, seeking a dermatologist's opinion is important early on because when melanoma is detected early on, the survival rates are great. 
But when it's detected late, then the survival rates do decrease substantially. And the incident rates, incidence rates of melanoma have increased in both men and women over the past several decades, growing 2.1% per year in men from 1992 to 2013 and 2% per year amongst women. With um, the onslaught of sunscreens and um, education, why, why do you think this is? Is this global warming? Dare I say that? <laughs> I, think, I, I think one of the biggest things is that, it, yeah, it is unfortunate. We have a lot of other cancers where the incidence rates are actually decreasing, and we're very proud of that for other types of cancers. But with skin cancer, it, it's amazing, right, because we actually do know that it is caused by ultraviolet radiation exposure. So it actually is one of the most preventable types of cancers. 90% of melanomas can be prevented if people just, if we all just prevent that excessive UV exposure. And so when you look at our surveys, what it shows is that people are being educated, that they do know that skin cancer is linked with too much sun exposure, those sunburns that people tend to get. But where we have not been as successful is preventing people from getting sunburned. So our annual mm-hmm. surveys still show that people are substantially getting sunburned. And so that's why we have not um, decreased the rates of skin cancer and melanoma. And now we've had 1,240 deaths from melanoma in Canada in 2017. Close to 800 were men and 450 were women. Why the difference? The surveys actually, it's interesting because the surveys do correlate uh, with this type of uh, numbers, in other words, the surveys that show excessive sun exposure, it, it does show that men just do get higher rates of sunburns and don't practice the sun protection as well as women do. Oh, very interesting. Now, if somebody's father had melanoma, are they at greater risk for uh, getting melanoma, or is it is it genetics, or is it just about the uh, not just about, but is it about the prevention strategies? Yeah, it's a combination of like genetic factors and uh, the environmental factors. So the bigger, biggest environmental factor is the that ultraviolet radiation exposure. But in terms of genetic factors, yes, that the family history of one having melanoma, it is those fair skin types that tend to get melanoma more readily, but can occur in all skin types uh, for sure. Um, and then also people that tend to have a higher amount of moles on their body. So a simple rule is if you have more than 10 moles on a single arm, that puts you at a higher risk category as well. So like those are just some of the risk factors besides the environmental risk factor that do put people at higher risk of developing melanoma. And then I, I noted that there is a, um, a higher risk because uh, melanoma is one of the most common types of cancer among young people, among Canadians ages 15 to 29. They're probably spending a lot of time sunbathing uh, and, and not really as diligent about sunscreen, especially obviously the men. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, there's two aspects there. Is that one is when we look at our surveys and we look at all the amount of sunburns that that individuals do acquire, it is that, that young age age group, teenagers and adolescents, they get a lot of sunburns, and a they can either get melanoma early on because of their childhood exposure as well. So we see high rates of melanoma compared to other types of cancers in this age cohort. But also, this the message, too, is that prevention of sunburns early in life can really prevent that melanoma that might occur even 20 years later or other types of skin cancer that take 30 years or more to accumulate. And so the thing is that the sunburn rates do decline 
in older age cohorts, but where people get a lot of sun exposure is during their youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, early detection, as you've said, is um, critical. Tell me about the ABCDEs of um, diagnosis or yeah, so leading to, to diagnosis. Ma- yeah, so to make it easy in terms of what is a good screening tool for when somebody has a mole that looks a little bit atypical, we have the ABCDE rules. And A stands for asymmetry. So when you look at a mole and it's not symmetric, so it's asymmetric, that's one, that's one sign. And B being for border, the borders being irregular, so you can't take like a pen or pencil and draw, draw out the borders around that mole, then that means the borders are irregular. Color meaning if there's a presence of a two-tone color variation in that mole. And D being for diameter, Historically, we've used larger than six millimeters. And so those are ABCD features that you can look at when looking at a mole. And then we have E for like the history part where if a mole's enlarging or evolving, that's another factor. So when moles seem to have these types of characteristics, we, we do suggest uh, somebody to see their physician to have that mole assessed. And how is melanoma treated? So how melanoma, the good thing is that majority of melanoma, so over 90% of melanoma, is detected early, and all that is required is that it to be surgically excised, and sometimes we examine the lymph nodes while it's surgically excised as well, just to make sure that it hasn't spread to the lymph nodes. So that's the good news. I mean, like when it's detected early, it's easy to treat. Um, in terms of late-stage melanomas, there are some patients that require chemotherapy. And the, the good news is that there is some newer agents out there for melanoma. So we finally have made some progress, some newer agents. But however, the the news is that the early detection does help because when, when it's early detection, then melanoma can be easily treated by surgical excision and the, um, the rates of recurrence are very low. So the, the prognosis, the survival rates are excellent. Excellent. And one other thing, I just wanted to ask you about what number SPF should we be using? <laughs> yeah, I, I do encourage, I do encourage um, most of my patients to wear an SPF level of higher than 50. And the reason is because there's a lot of faults in when, how sunscreen application is applied, how, how sunscreen is applied. So most of us under-apply sunscreen and also a lot of sunscreen comes off, especially on the hot days when we need that high SPF. And so, therefore, we're getting the actual label that's on that sunscreen bottle. So, I do suggest a high level of SPF factor when when uh, my patients do apply sunscreens. Oh, good to know. I I use fifty. I'm laughed at often, but I'm as white as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that one of those two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also wanted to mention that uh, as part of the Canadian Dermatology Association's commitment to providing information uh, for Canadians. There are two doctors from the organization, Powell and Becker, who are uh, going to be having holding a Facebook Live session tomorrow, uh, May, Monday, May 14th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right, yeah. Yeah, so if you have more questions, um, you can certainly attend the Facebook Live event. That's one of the th- wonderful things about um, in the Internet uh, today is we can educate uh, so much more broadly. Dr. Kalia, thank you so much for the health information you provided to the program tonight. I really appreciate it, and I've learned quite a bit. Great. Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you on Mother's Day of all days. And we are honoring mothers tonight. And sometimes honor is through education. If you are surprised to learn that the uh, that the, the number one killer of women, it might surprise you. Sorry, let's back up there. Uh, you, I'm not sure what you think the number one killer of women is, but... What it is, is something that is typically associated with men, and it is heart disease. The breast cancer patients, uh, in, in fact, have done a tremendous, or breast cancer organizations have done a tremendous job in educating the public about breast cancer in women, because that is um, first and foremost on people's minds when discussing women's health. But... Heart disease actually kills five times as many women in Canada. And these statistics around women in heart disease are sobering. These were released by the Heart and Stroke Foundation a couple of weeks ago as part of a national awareness campaign called Time to See Red. A woman in Canada dies every 20 minutes from heart disease. Women who have a heart attack are more likely than men to either die or suffer a second heart attack. We don't research heart disease in women enough, and yet 25,000 women die from heart disease every year. This is viewed as a men's health issue. Most of the research on heart disease is focused on men. We need to remind men and women on Mother's Day that heart disease is a women's problem. It's a women's issue. There's a gender gap in research, and that is a big problem. You're probably thinking, well, what's the, what's the big deal? A heart is a heart. You can study men's hearts and apply that to women. Well, you can't. Number one, a woman's heart is smaller than a man's, and so are the coronary arteries that supply the heart with blood. The atherosclerotic plaque that collects in women's vessels differs in how that plaque collects in men's vessels. And there are some other biological functions that also impact heart disease. Pregnancy and menopause are a couple of those, and those may impact heart health. You've heard of women who during menopause may have heart palpitations. Many women um, get atrial fibrillation. And, you know, in order to learn about something, you need to study it. And so we really need to raise our voices, ladies, moms, and let people know that we are so far behind in our health knowledge as compared to men. That's because most of the research in a lot of areas has mainly been done on men in sexual health as well. We've actually, there's a medication that's been approved recently in Canada uh, for low sexual desire in women, and yet some of, the, some of the side effects are the result of having tested that medication on men. Women are under-researched, under-diagnosed, under-supported, and under-aware of the risks to their health. And especially for a mom who's raising young kids who may be stressed, who may have a history of heart disease in her family, um, and there are also some um, other things that may contribute, may increase your risk, some of those vices that you may turn to for dealing with some of the issues 
when you're raising your children, like smoking, for example. Smoking is never good for anything. Uh, and smoking is the number one cause of preventable death in Canada. And smokers are more likely to die from heart disease. They're three times more likely to die from heart disease than non-smokers. So one of the best things you can do for your children um, on Mother's Day is to quit smoking. Also, heavy drinking is a major risk factor for heart disease and stroke. And it's advised that women should drink no more than two drinks a day. A lot of women start drinking around four and then three and then two. Um, and they increase the their consumption and because it's a stress management for a lot of women. So women should consume no more than two drinks a day, up to 10 per week. So take a look at what you're consuming, ladies. Men should cap their consumption at three a day and up to 15 per week. This, of course, is different for anybody who may have a, a dependency issue on alcohol um, or who may uh, – it's, it's never good to use alcohol as a crutch or alcohol as a way to deal with your problems because alcohol is a depressant. And if you're feeling badly about things and you start drinking alcohol, you're just going to start to feel worse as well. Uh, diet and exercise are also critical. Um, there's a, a link between eating red meat and heart disease. That's a very strong link as well. Um, it's you know best to eat high protein, but find your protein uh, in other uh, types of food other than red meat. So if, if you can find your protein from plant-based sources like nuts and seeds, uh, you may be 40% less likely to suffer from heart disease than your meat-eating moms, shall we say. Exercise is amazing, okay? I, I just have to say, like, I, I fell off the exercise wagon a little bit. I was I was traveling a bit, and, you know, uh, it, it just affects every aspect of your life. And you think, what's wrong with me? And then you're like, oh, right, I haven't been exercising. And, you know, exercising every day, it's a miracle remedy for just about every one of life's ailments. Um, and regular physical activity, and, you know, it's never enough. Today I went for a hike, and then I went for a little dip in the lake, and then I went for a swim in the ocean. You can do the same. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.